By now, businesses have had some time to pivot in the pandemic. From online sales and virtual services to personalized experiences, digital adoption has never been higher, but this comes with a big risk. Every new digital element, process, or product is vulnerable to cyber attack. The results from PwC's Global Digital Trust Survey and the Canadian CEO Survey show that when it comes to cybersecurity, it pays to get in on the ground floor. Traditional approaches just don't cut it anymore because this isn't just about security. It's about perception and it's fundamentally about trust. Consumers, clients, and stakeholders want to know their data is being looked after with the very latest and best technologies. Which means, of course, that cybersecurity is becoming a much bigger part of businesses' budgets and strategies than in the past. What are the trade-offs when it comes to investing in cybersecurity? Does a bigger cyber budget necessarily mean a bigger outcome? And what happens when your organization is too complex to secure? I'm Kira Johnston, and you're listening to the second episode of Beyond the Bounce, a mini-series from the Conference Board of Canada and PwC. Our guests today are Saj Nair, partner and national leader of cybersecurity, privacy, and financial crime, and Jen Johnson, national cybersecurity, privacy, and financial crime markets leader at PwC Canada. And we're going to talk about strategies for cybersecurity. Hi, Saj and Jen. Welcome to Beyond the Bounce, and thank you for being on the podcast today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We know that the pandemic has sped up the pace of digital adoption, but has COVID-19 introduced new challenges that are now here to stay? I would say absolutely, Kira. It's really true on both fronts. We've seen the acceleration of clients' efforts to digitize their business rapidly accelerated. They are on these journeys pre-pandemic. However, during the pandemic and now as we hopefully emerge from it, the acceleration of the journey has increased significantly. In addition, we've seen environments and moves like work from home and go forward a hybrid working model that are introducing new considerations and new challenges around digital trust, around cybersecurity, as well as financial crime. A couple of quick examples. Individuals are working at home now. So physical security controls that have generally been in place are maybe no longer there. Your ability to ensure that data that is on a screen is protected, only those can see it that need to see it, or if it's getting printed out, it's retained in a secure environment. Those things don't exist necessarily when individuals are working from home. You also have an increase in insider threats. It is harder to detect anomalous behaviors of your employees when we're in this kind of environment. The other thing I'd also highlight is that in some cases, employees working at home are a little bit more distracted depending on their circumstances at home. If they are distracted, it can make them easier targets for things like phishing campaigns and things of that nature. As we think about digitization, historically, when we've thought about cyber, we've also really thought about accessing and stealing data. What we're also now seeing in a number of industries is digitizing operational technologies. And those technologies actually bridge the digital world to the physical world. We're now seeing breaches that impact the physical world. That's a whole new paradigm that we are emerging into. And as companies are accelerating their path to digital, that component brings new cyber risks that are, again, here to stay. Saj, where are most of the cyber threats coming from? We usually see four categories of threat actors. Nation states, criminal groups, activist groups, and finally, insiders. Often what we find is the underlying technical methods might be similar. What's really different about the threat actors is really their motivation. I'll go through each one of them. Nation states' motivation is to gain an advantage either from a geopolitical point of view, from a military sense, uh, economic sense. And therefore, when they attack 
an organization or a country, it's with those motivations in mind. They typically go after the public sector organizations, they go after defense organizations or critical infrastructure like utilities and telcos and so on. For criminal groups, it's all about the money. They want to attack organizations to make money. And the way they do that is either by finding ways to commit electronic fraud or finding ways to steal data that they can then monetize in the black market or darknet. Or more and more, what we're finding is cyber extortion or ransomware. And this is one of the biggest threats that we are seeing right now is where organizations are getting extorted for huge amounts of money in exchange for either releasing control of the data or systems. The third one is the activist group. For the activist groups, they have a, typically a grievance against an organization or an industry. And therefore, they want to be loud in making that grievance heard. They'll come after organizations purely to embarrass them by either stealing their data or disrupting their systems and to drive change in society or in a given industry sector aligned with their, their motivations. And then finally, we've got insiders. Insiders have always existed. What's interesting is oftentimes we think of insiders as working on their own because they may be disgruntled. But more and more, we are also seeing that insiders are working with outsiders, the other three categories, where they may be either bribed or coerced by a nation state, a criminal group, or an activist group to have cooperated with them in undertaking a cyber campaign. Now, when we get into the actual threats, there are two threats that we're seeing quite active in the last year, year and a half. The first one is in ransomware, which is a form of cyber extortion. The second one is supply chain threats, which is really where we're seeing threat actors compromise large organizations, whether it's in the software business or it may be large organizations that provide services to multiple other sectors. They're going after these organizations because the scale at which you can compromise is much larger because you can get into one organization and breach many versus trying to go after just one organization individually. Adding on to that, businesses are relying more and more on other businesses, particularly in the outsourcing of services. So when it comes to cybersecurity, what are the challenges or maybe considerations when you can't directly oversee those services? This is a growing area of concern. And you can see in the media over recent months, a number of attacks where they've been geared towards large outsourced service providers, geared towards software vendors. Again, everyone uploads an upgrade to a particular software that is widely used, and now they're all impacted or affected. The reality is, as you said, all organizations are relying on other third parties. They're in a complex ecosystem. And in that ecosystem, there's not only the third parties that you might directly contract with, many of those third parties also have third parties, making that kind of a fourth party in your scenario. And while it's hard enough to manage risk within your proverbial four walls, it's much harder to then manage what's outside, what's at your service provider, let alone their service providers. And so those degrees of separations add complexity, a lot of business value in many cases, but a lot of complexity in how you manage risks like cyber. But what we're seeing is that a number of organizations, particularly some of the more mature, heavily regulated industries, spending a lot of time on third-party risk management. We're seeing regulators, particularly in the financial services industry, spending a lot of time and focus on this. But as we talk to our clients in some of our recent surveys, we're still seeing that more than half of our respondents are indicating that their organizations are not taking actions presently to have a lasting impact on how they improve their ways and the approach that they take in managing third-party risk. So we start to ask ourselves, what can we do differently? What can executives do differently to try to focus on this and manage that risk a little bit more? It starts with mindset. Starting with a mindset that is about zero trust. So yes, you try to hire the best outsourced service provider. 
you try to select the best software for your needs. However, in doing so, you need to also expect that they may get breached. In fact, they will likely get breached. And what are you going to do? What is that going to mean to you? Because in this world, as attackers are coming, they're looking for the weakest link in your chain, the weakest link in that ecosystem. Oftentimes that's outside of your four peripheral walls. Start with that mindset. Then you really need to focus on mapping your systems, your critical relationships, and understanding where those weak links may exist, scrutinizing your software vendors, software and applications that your company uses, they should undergo the same level of scrutiny and testing as your own internal network devices and your users do. Don't treat them any differently. If you're a CISO or your chief risk officer, a couple other things, build up your technology and organizational ability to detect, resist, and respond to cyber attacks. Ensure you understand, again, where your third parties are using fourth parties. You need to have that complete picture of your supply chain. And certainly fortify your data trust foundation. Data is the target for most attacks on the supply chain. And good data trust and third-party risk management, they go hand in hand to make sure that you are managing and keeping those risks to an acceptable level. And last but not least, I say educate your board. Educating your board on cyber, but on third-party risk management should be pretty top of the agenda these days. There is no end to the amount of money that businesses and business leaders could spend on cybersecurity. How would you assess the return on investment here? When we look at the average spend, and there are various studies, and year over year, this has been similar, is we see that leaders spend typically anywhere between 8 to 13% of their IT budget on cybersecurity. What I feel is we need to look at it slightly differently because that's the percentage of IT spend. But we are seeing spends happening in automation, in data innovation, which are not typically under IT. When we look at the cyber spend, we have to kind of look at it more broadly, which includes IT spend, data spend, automation in supply chain and so on. The second thing is we have not seen a direct correlation between spend and security. Too much spend can actually make you less focused. You need to have the right amount of spend going in the right areas. What's more important is having the right strategy, which aligns with the business strategy, having the right risk management process so you can prioritize and focus on the right risk. And then lastly, culture. And when I say culture, this is about the organizational culture and spotting some of these risks and addressing them. What we are finding leaders do in this space is approaching a quantification method in identifying, prioritizing, and remediating cyber risk. So what I mean by that is there are more and more advanced methods coming in. How do you put a dollar amount on your cyber exposure? You can quantify your cyber exposure to be, say, 100 million. Now, if that's your exposure, then you can look into, if I spend, say, 20 million, on cyber, what is the reduction in risk exposure I get? Maybe I'll get a 50 million reduction in my cyber exposure. By taking an analysis like that, which is more quantified financial, you can now start making smart investment decisions around where do you spend and how much do you spend and how much is enough? Because like you said, there's no amount of spending. You can keep sinking money into this, but ultimately this is one of many risks, not the only risk that organizations face. A couple other things worth mentioning on this one is in the recent study that's come out, so we do a study every year, the latest one, the 2022 Global Digital Trust Insights has come out recently, has identified that only one out of four organizations actually have cyber risk quantification methods as part of the formal risk management program. We feel that this is a space that there is a lot more to be done globally. A lot more organizations can benefit from this. Last point I'd like to say on budgets is we are seeing leaders in the space bake in cybersecurity spend 
as part of the broader digital transformation. When you do the budgeting for the broader data innovation opportunities, automation programs, baking in cybersecurity spend into those programs help because then you're thinking about cybersecurity right from the outset versus going and doing the digital transformation and then thinking after the fact on how do you go and secure these initiatives. To pick up on that thread, Saj, is really this idea of simplification. It's not just really about having enough budget, but getting that budget focused in the right areas. And so we're seeing an increase in the alignment between the overall strategy of the business and the business objectives and the cyber spend. So it's not just about throwing more money at it. You really need to be able to focus those dollars and that spend to create the biggest return for your organization in terms of protecting your organization and its various stakeholders, including customers. There's an opportunity to actually simplify if you get that focus correct. And that's a newer thread that we're starting to see at some of our clients. The idea here is really ultimately frustrate them enough. You don't want to be an easy target. You want to be a harder target. Everyone's a target. I've seen good organization have bad days. Even those with very sophisticated cybersecurity systems have had bad days. This is about making sure that you make yourself hard enough that on a given day, they're not successful and they move on to someone else. Jen, you mentioned earlier the importance of educating your boards on cybersecurity. How would a CEO or board make a difference when it comes to their organization's cybersecurity? We did explore this in our recent Digital Trust Insights survey. What we were inquiring about there is the CEO's perspective on how engaged they believe they are in providing support and focus on cyber and cyber-related risks, and then also trying to contrast that to what non-CEO executives feel. A bit of a disconnect and organizational gap in perspectives that we saw through our results. We did see that a significant portion of CEOs do believe that they give significant cyber support to their organization. But in contrast to that, we saw only three in 10 non-CEOs agree with that statement. There's obviously an expectation gap there. It's always a two-way street. We think about what can be done on that two-way street. CEOs, and I think it's important for them to frame cybersecurity as an important business growth and customer trust agenda. It's not just about defense. It's not just about internal controls. You need to create a security mindset that is organization-wide. We talk about security first in many instances. You'll have lots of opportunities to think about this as an organization to come to grips with the problems. If you set the tone from the top that security is paramount and how we engage with our customers, how we reach new channels, that it is a strategic impairment, that is an important place to start. On the flip side, some of our CIOs, CISOs, they need to familiarize themselves more with the organization's business strategy. Help your CEO, help them clear the way for more simple, secure practices. Link the business strategy to what you're trying to do on the cybersecurity side. Help them have that more real-world, tangible discussion, not in technical terms, but in business terms. If we can bridge that gap a little bit more, we'll see a lot more alignment in the results in the year ahead. And if I may add, we feel there is a very heightened level of awareness at the CEO level. Uh, it's not that there isn't an awareness, and this is demonstrated through our 24th CEO survey that came out earlier this year. Canada, the CEOs identified cyber threat as a topmost threat to growth, even above the pandemic. And globally, it was one of the top three. There is a level of awareness amongst the CEOs. The gap is more how effectively can the CEOs work with the CIOs and CISOs. And especially what we're finding is there's a lot of organizational barriers that come in as you're working through putting in some controls or cleaning up some of the hygiene within the organization. And that's hard for the CIOs and CISOs to alone be able to do that without the CEOs engaged backing on some of these initiatives. 
Once the CEO stresses the importance of cybersecurity, what is that relationship between the organization's cyber strategy and its overall business strategy? And how is that symbiotic? When we kind of look at what business strategies are trying to pursue, if it's, we are seeing a lot of the organizations go after organic growth. They're looking to expand their market's presence through more products, trying to capture more customers. And as they're looking to do that, more and more, they're looking at digital and data as the ways of doing that and providing their customers either new products or better ways of serving those products. And as you use digital and data, there's cyber implications and privacy implications. So it's important that the cyber strategy is therefore tied to that organic growth strategy. Sometimes it's not about growth. It's about operational efficiencies. They are looking at ways to decrease their cost. Oftentimes, as they're looking at that, they're looking at data to make smarter decisions, or they may be looking at things like automation in the front office or back office supply chain. Anywhere there's data or automation or technology, you have to consider cyber and privacy in that. So if you're done the operational efficiency part, you still have to consider cyber and privacy tied to that business strategy. And then sometimes it's inorganic growth. You're looking to get into acquiring other businesses. Sometimes you're going into joint ventures with other businesses. As you do that, you could end up buying or sharing someone else's cyber risk with you. As you go through that as part of your due diligence process, the integration of the other company, it's again important that proper cyber assessments are done. And as you join two companies, the cyber and privacy sides are properly considered as well. No matter which path you're going, in today's digital and data-driven world, there is cyber and privacy in all aspects of what businesses do. The other couple of things that I've noticed the last year or so is when breaches happen, they can be awfully distracting for the board and the executive group. So it takes your attention and energy away from actually pursuing your business strategy. One of the things is to minimize where those breaches happen because you can recover after a breach, but it still takes a fair amount of executive time and energy when that breach happens and distracts you from your business growth. We are also seeing regulators globally get very active in this space. The regulators are starting to recognize how much of an impact cyber can have on any given industry sector. And they're ramping up their pressure on the executive level to make sure that there's sufficient focus being put on this. And in some cases, the regulators are even intervening from the organization growing any further till they get their hygiene from a cyber perspective in order. What we're seeing recently is some of the traditional securities rating agencies, so Standards and Poor, Moody's, and so on, that usually provide rating on an organizational ability to borrow money and credit worthiness and so on. They're now putting a cyber dimension to this. So they will be rating organizations on their cyber rating, which means now if you have a poor cyber posture, it can impact your cost of borrowing and your ability to raise capital or the cost of raising capital. As you can see, there's multiple ways this can have an impact on business. In our recent study, Global Digital Trust Insight, that's just come out, about half of the respondents at the executive and CEO level believe that cyber's mission is not just about traditional defense and control. That we need to continue to do, but more and more the focus needs to shift towards how do we build trust? Because we live in a world where trust is very, very important in the interactions we have, but also the business growth as well. What can business leaders do to simplify their cybersecurity practices to ensure a smooth implementation? One of the things that we're finding is, is certainly that three quarters of organizations do believe that their cyber strategy is too complex right now. Is really going back to that business strategy, understanding the key data that you have, your key exposure points, and focusing your efforts there. Maybe simplifying some of the tools that you're using across your cyber program. There's a lot that can be done there. It's not about just throwing more money at the problem. It's about focusing your efforts 
and recognizing that there is a level of exposure you're going to have to live with. So how much spend do you want to make getting that spend in the right areas and recognizing that there is always going to be the chance that you will be breached, but it's managing that amount of exposure you're going to have. What we've also seen over the last couple of years is that organizations that had, we'll say, the best cybersecurity outcomes over the past couple of years were five times more likely to have streamlined their operations enterprise-wide. Streamlined operations is a simpler operation for the organization, simpler to protect. That relationship is very clear. And if you are going down the path of streamlining and simplifying your internal operational model, it does then allow for a layered on cyber strategy and protection model that is also simplified and a higher impact. To add to what Jen said, there's also opportunities to simplify the cybersecurity architecture and capabilities themselves as well. What we've noticed is that as organizations get more complex, the CIOs and CISOs are having to deploy a lot of different controls and methods all over the place to manage and secure that complexity. And that in itself makes the management of cybersecurity complex. The second factor that we've seen is cybersecurity is a space where we're seeing a lot of innovation. There's a lot of startups, a lot of, I would say, point solutions historically, and we don't see that stopping anytime soon, just given the amount of investment that's going into the cybersecurity industry. Now, the downside of that is organizations end up adopting a lot of point solutions all over the place to protect from various different threats that they're facing. And that in itself creates a lot of complexity in how you manage cybersecurity, but also we're seeing that it's causing a lot of operational issues because you've got these tools all over the place within the organization. If one of them fails, it can bring services down. The other thing that we are also noticing is because the cybersecurity capabilities and tooling is so complex, there's so many different solutions. It also has a big drag on the organization's ability to drive innovation and digital transformation with speed. Because as you're launching new products and new services, all of them have to be secured using all these combination of tooling. So we are seeing leaders over the last couple of years put a concerted effort into rationalizing, simplifying and automating a lot of their cyber tooling and capabilities. What that does is firstly, it takes the complexity out and how you manage cybersecurity. And then second is we are also seeing that the organization is benefiting because now as cybersecurity is not slowing down the digital transformation and growth agenda as much. And in some cases, actually helping speed it up. Saj, Jen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. It's been such a relevant and topical conversation, especially in this digital age. So I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast today. We appreciate you having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You can access the full report and results from PwC's 24th Annual Canadian CEO Survey and the Global Digital Trust Insight Survey by following the links in the episode description. And as always, discover the Conference Board of Canada's research and insights at conferenceboard.ca. Beyond the Bounce is brought to you by the Conference Board of Canada and PwC. It's hosted by Keir Johnston and written by Sarah Mills. Parmas Azimi is our audio engineer and Andy Joy is our post-production editor. Our executive producer is Michael Bassett. Ideas were also contributed by Catherine Fournier and Rob Collins. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to let us know how we're doing. The views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of PwC or the conference board. For more research, podcasts, commentary, and ideas on Canada's most pressing issues, visit conferenceboard.ca.